Hello. We're a little bit later than normal. Yeah. That's that's my internet's fault. But it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. We we made it uh, work. Sometimes you just have to be flexible. Mm-hmm. A friend of ours used to say, blessed are the flexible. Now that's not actually in your Bible. Hmm. However, it works. Blessed, I think it plays out. Blessed are the flexible, for they will be like Gumby. Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps that's what it is. But here we are a little bit later because we had things in between. Mm-hmm. But it's fine. We've got a lot going on. We had sweatshirts come in. That was fun. We've got people outside cutting down trees. We had people outside wanting to talk about putting up a sign in our yard. Mm-hmm. All adventure. All adventure. So it's good. If you're on with us, tell us hello in the comments. You know we're needy. Yes. We, we, we need the interaction. <laughs> we do. We we need you to we need you to tell us hello. Because At least. blessed are the flexible, but they need to be encouraged. <laughs> Yes, yes, Anne Marie. Anne Marie, we need to have Anne Marie on and make her tell us all about Africa. Yeah, definitely. Typically, when we come up with ideas like this uh, live, it ends up happening the following week. Yes, we just we make things happen. So there you have it, Anne Marie. (laughs) You want to be our next guest? See you next week. (laughs) Everyone, Anne Marie will be on with us next week. (laughs) Hi, Sandy. Thank you for joining us later. Uh, no. <laughs> I'll take the LOL as sarcasm to your no. Yes, that's agreement. Yeah. Actually, I think. Um, okay, what are we talking about? We're going to talk about when the spirit and the bride say come. <laughs> and, and there he is, John, the Hi. one who flirts with both of us. From, and he's, and he's actually the he's in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so fun. So yes, back to the topic. Um, the, when the spirit and the bride say come. And Vince on Monday, if you did not tune in to Generally Speaking, go back and listen to it. It was a recap from Sunday. It was really good. We talked about altar and sacrifice on, um, on Sunday. And then you kind of like honed in on a certain part of that, but there was something that that you talked about in that, that I really felt like God's heartbeat was on. And so I think it'd be a good idea to start there. Can you just give us a recap of that? Yeah, it was, uh, from Hebrews 10 and I'm going to read, uh, verses 19. Uh, I don't know through a few. Well, I'll, I'll decide when to stop here. Hebrews 10, 19 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance and faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from evil and conscious uh, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Um, this is so in that, excuse me, there's a nap flying Look around. That. There. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's talking about the, the confidence that we carry to be able to enter into the Holy of Holies, enter into the most holy place to be with God. 
And and the confidence that we have to do that is is through the blood of Jesus. And it, it says that new and living way that was opened up through the curtain. So we know that when he said it is finished, breathed his last breath, there was uh, an earthquake. The, the sky went black and the veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And, and it just to me reading this and, and reading that uh, uh, the way that was opened through the curtain, that is through his flesh, the, the, the tearing of his flesh, not as an act of savagery, which we could view it as, but as a loving act of birth that, that is birthing us as new creations. And now as new creations, we are able to boldly and confidently come into the presence of God, uh, um, pass that curtain into the most holy place. And, and the way I saw that was when that curtain was ripped open, this is not um, God saying, let my people go, but rather let my people come to me. Let them let them come and be in my presence. There is no more uh, separation that needs to be made between uh, a holy space and the most holy space. But rather, this is this is uh, uh, an opening up of that. The the mediator of the new covenant is Jesus. He is the high priest that has that opened this up for us. And and under the old covenant. There was one high priest who on one day of the year could go into that most holy place, which is the Day of Atonement, to, to offer sacrifice on, on behalf of the people. But he first had to offer sacrifice for himself to be made uh, uh, or to, to be decontaminated, as it were, from sin, to be able to go in and offer sacrifice on behalf of the people. Well, now Jesus as the, the, the better high priest who did not have to offer sacrifice on of his own behalf, because we know he was tempted and remained without sin, that uh, uh, he was able to go in and offer that sacrifice, but it was the, the offering of himself. It was himself on the altar that uh, his blood was uh, the atonement for us. And it also was uh, the blood that sealed and ratified the new covenant. And, and, and it talks about that Hebrews 9 about a will. A will doesn't go into effect until there is a death. Well, the will in the, of its new covenant where we inherit eternal life and are able to freely come and go into the presence of God uh, was was ratified and, and, and sealed with the blood of Jesus. And, and so that, that tearing open of the curtain that, that uh, through his flesh that we have confidence to enter into the holy place, we can, we can say this was, was the, the roar of the lion of Judah mm. ripping the curtain open and saying, let my people come to me. Wow. And, and that is, is something we need to be able to, to see as we look at uh, uh, Christ is the offering. This is what was made available to us. Uh, and, and our part is not to, to continue into dead works. It's to, to serve the living God. We get to, we get to serve the one who, who is, who is living now and, and did all of this for us. And, uh, there, there's so many different ways you could go off talking about this, but to, to keep it at uh, the offering here, 
when, when the curtain was torn open, that is his flesh, we were, we were beckoned to come. And, and that act of it is finished was the, the cry that let my people go. That was us entering into freedom. And now it is come to me. We are beckoned to come to the presence of God. Wow. I love that. I think that that's just an incredible picture. And as you were talking about some of that on Sunday, I had, I had such an incredible picture that had never hit me before. And, and it was really the, the, the scripture that tells us that the father was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And, and for the first time I, I saw the father entering into the Holy of Holies, Mm. you know, that new space that that was created within Christ as the Holy of Holies and the father entered into that space first. And I just think that that's such an incredible picture for us to realize that, that the Holy of Holies was forever changed from that moment on. And, and we know that the curtain physically Mm -hmm. tore and, and dropped and and can you imagine how loud that would have been? I mean, we, we know that there was an earthquake also, but right that that curtain dropping, it, it was thick as mm-hmm. as thick as a, like the hand breath, right? And mm-hmm. my hand is not very big, but still, that's a thick curtain, especially yeah. when you look at these curtains. They're there you see right through them. <laughs> you can see right through them. And and this would have been a really thick curtain that was was dropping and I would I would imagine that it created some um probably some some issues within the the building itself and mm-hmm. the temple and um because the father had taken up residence in a different temple altogether he had gone into the holy of holies to reconcile the entirety of his creation to himself and it's it's just it's it's an unfathomable picture for me. I, I, I try to grab hold of these kinds of things, but I know that I, I'm still missing pieces and parts of it. But um, but these are the things that, that I like to ponder and consider is like, how far can we go? How far can we go in in Christ? I, I think that there, there's no end. It All life is found in him. and And we can't we can't come to the end of all that that he has done, and that's mind blowing for me. It, it that is mind blowing. That's uh, what you're talking about. Second Corinthians five. Uh, it's there. Paul's talking about uh, one has died for all, therefore all have died, and, and he died for all that those who who live might no longer live for themselves, uh, but for for him who for their sake died and was raised. So. Uh, um, can't miss the, the resurrection when we're talking about all this because that is the living God that we serve and, and, and not not coming into the holy space through dead works, but through service of the living God. And it goes on, verse 16, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. They don't, uh, Paul, he doesn't look at anyone through natural eyes. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Mm. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ, God in Christ, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, grabbing up 
all of humanity and and bringing them back the 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 nations who had gone astray this was the way to to bring them back and it's an absolutely beautiful picture it is that I, I think we really need to to take hold of and say this this is truly what was going on god wasn't hiding his face from from jesus while he was on the cross he wasn't turning away any of these crazy things that you may hear or see uh that doesn't line up with with scripture that doesn't line up with what we just read what we just read was that god was right there in christ together they were they were on the cross reconciling the world to themselves it's humbling it really is. It's humbling. And, and I think that we quickly forget because he's hanging there as a bloody man, that we quickly forget that he is deity, mm-hmm. that, that he is, he is God and he is man. And, and it's so very humbling that they would have gone this far on behalf of a, 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 a people who are prone to wander, mm-hmm. who there's going to be no guarantee, you know, that they're going to be devoted for all time. But but we see the proof of the life immediately following this. Like we said, you know, there's a, there's an earthquake at the time of of Jesus's final words of "It is finished," and. Um, and it's so funny to me because this isn't talked about all that often. And, I know exactly what you're going, where yeah, you're going. But we see life coming from this act of, of reconciliation with the graves in Jerusalem opening up. Seriously, can you imagine being on the scene? I mean, everything goes dark, right? They have a full-on eclipse. There's major shaking going on. And, um, and suddenly these graves are opened up. Now that would have been creepy in and of itself Yeah. just to have the graves opened up, but it was more than that. And the, the people got up out of these graves and, um, it actually reminds me of the story of, um, Elisha's body being thrown in the grave of another man. And, and immediately, you know, the man gets up and, and just walks out same, 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 right? Like Jesus, because of what he had done and the father had done by reconciling the world to himself through Christ's act, his obedient act of sacrifice of laying his life down. We see graves opening up and this is prior to the resurrection of Christ himself. This this God, I'm making all kinds of noises. This God, who is this God? that he is mindful of us, right? Like if you're not provoked to say that when thinking about such things, uh, you need you need a, a revelation. You need to get hit with a revelation because this is this is crazy talk that he would purpose to have humanity go first. You rise first. Come on. Yeah, Matthew uh 27, starting verse 50, and Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints, or holy ones, who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after this res- after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Yes, Henry, that would be a total freak out moment. Be like, wait a minute, you, 
you were dead. Yeah. But uh, I, I just, I, I, I'm, I have such a, a difficult time putting myself back into the mind of these people. You know, we, we have our filter of, of time and, and, and access to the whole of the Bible to, to read these things and, and start to, to process them on our own. But to, to have your, your world, your complete uh, paradigm that, that you knew to be true and, and existed in, in that moment to just be uh, um, upheaved. And, and now everything is, is just backwards from what it was that you knew the day before. The, and, and the fact that, that they didn't understand how he was going to come, they thought the Messiah was going to come and do certain things. And yes, he is still going to come and do those things uh, in, in the second coming. However, this one, you had to really pull back to see the bigger picture of what was going on because there needed to be a, a, a reconciling take place before the other things took place. Yeah. And so we, we, we catch that when we start reading uh, the, the account of what was going on. And when we see things like this uh, of other people being resurrected, wow, is that going to throw a wrench into a lot of, of theology that, that people carried? That killed Jesus. That killed Jesus. Yeah. And and to the point you're making, the, the God that stoops low and says, yes, I'm your creator, and you all couldn't maintain covenant with me before, but this time I'm going to make sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make covenant with myself to, on your behalf, to do this for you. The, the, the one who created all of us and formed us and, and gave us... Uh, um, gifts and, and unique personalities and, and features and was so incredibly creative with the entirety of humanity wanted to come and make way for us to be together. Yeah. To be in oneness. Yeah. And this is, this is the manifestation of the covenant mm -hmm. that the father made with the son before Abraham in his dream. Yes. When the, what is it? The, the, the furnace and the boiling pot go walking mm -hmm. through the, the cut apart animals. They're, they're making covenant. And we've always read that and known that as them making covenant with Abraham and they are on his behalf. But the whole thing is about reconciliation, that the father and the son would partner together. And the cross is the manifestation of that. So we see them partner together in the same thing, in the same way that all five of those, well, three of those animals were split apart. And then the extra two were, were added on the end. Um, we, we see the sacrifice being made manifest right before our eyes in the work of the cross. And it's, it's, it's nothing short of mind blowing. How could we ever wrap our minds around the work of the cross? Mm -hmm. It's just, it's, it's so mind blowing that, that we have, we serve a God who would do that. I don't know what more to say. Uh, I think also when we were talking about altar and offering this weekend, we can't miss the fact that yes, the, the cross was a sign of, of criminality in that this was a criminal being put to death for, for whatever they were accused of and convicted of. Yeah. And, and that carrying your cross to the place where you were going to be put on that and die was an admission of guilt. That, that is what uh, uh, it symbolized in that time. And so we can't miss the fact that 
what was meant to to display guilt and to to tell everyone this person's a criminal that's why they're dying here was turned into an altar ah. was turned into an offering that was worthy for all of humanity for all time from from past and, and to even look forward into the future uh, uh 2000 ish years away and and however however far beyond uh yeah. today that goes we can't miss the fact that the cross was made into an altar which was uh, uh something that even Jesus talked about uh when he was with in one of his many arguments with the Pharisees, they were, they were, he asked them, which is greater, the sacrifice or the altar? And they said the sacrifice. But he said it was the altar that makes the sacrifice mm -hmm. great. And so uh, I just don't want us to miss the fact that, yes, we know in the natural this is what the cross symbolized. But pull back uh, uh, from the, the tiny tiles to see the entire mosaic picture yeah. of what's going on. And you're going to see that this was uh, the most beautiful altar ever. Yeah. That we should never leave. Hmm. You know, um, yes, Yvonne, amazing humility. I mean, just breathtaking humility um, on Jesus's part. I just, I can't, I cannot imagine, you know, in, in my own flesh, like, what it would have taken for someone who knew innocence. I, I, I can't, I can't stand here before you and say, I know innocence. Mm -hmm. He knew innocence, but he also kept his eyes on the father and, and did everything he could to accomplish the will of the father. And so in the same way that the father and the son's voices merged together to say, come, they made a way for us to come. We see at the end of Revelation in chapter 22, it tells us that the, the, um, the spirit and the bride cry out, come. But I want to back us up a little bit. Let's start in verse 5 of chapter 22 and, and get to that point because there's some, there's some parts that we really need to grab hold of here. So we're in Revelation 22, starting in verse 5. And night will be no more. And they have no need of the light of a lamp and of the light of the sun for the Lord God will shine upon them and they will reign forever and ever. I was actually going to start in verse six, but then I, <laughs> then I just couldn't pass up the opportunity to read that because, right? <laughs> like they, we will have no need, need for light whatsoever because the lamb will be so bright so bright that that we won't even experience darkness anymore that's astonishing first thing and he said to me these words are faithful and true and the lord the god of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angel to show to his slaves the things which must quickly take place and behold i come quickly blessed is he who keeps the word of the prophecy of this scroll and I, John, am he who hears and sees these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And he said to me, do not do that. I am your fellow slave and a fellow slave of your brothers, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this scroll. Worship 
God. And he said to me, do not feel the words of the prophecy of this scroll, for the time is near. Let him who does unrighteousness do unrighteousness still, and let him who is filthy be filthy still, and let him who is righteous do righteousness still, and let him who is holy be holy still. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to render to each one as his work is. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the fornicators and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and makes a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star, and the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who is thirsty, come. Let him who wills take the water of life freely. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll. If anyone adds to them, God will add to them the plagues which are written in the scroll. And if anyone takes away from the words of the scroll of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and out of the holy city which are written in the scroll. He who testifies these things say, yes, I come quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. So that when the spirit and the bride say come, it becomes, so we're learning from the spirit, right? He's like this great teacher that we get. He is our instructor and we should be so completely dependent on his works in our life that we learn to echo everything that he is saying. He's teaching us the way of beckoning the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. The spirit and the bride, they cry out, come in response to the father and the son crying out to us, come, all who are thirsty, come, all who are weak, come, all who we see in Matthew 11, where Jesus is saying, all you who are, are burdened and, and heavy laden, come and experience real rest. He's offering us real rest within him, within the reconciliation that he and the father accomplished on the cross. We learn to echo what it is that he says by crying out, come. Mm -hmm. And what we see here is the, the commencement of the marriage ready to take place, right? And, and I got to thinking about um, marriage as we know it and, and started thinking like, oh my gosh, we should start implementing like this, this, this idea of, of introducing, you know, a, a, a new wedded couple as a complete new creation. It's almost like in my mind, I was seeing them as like this new birth because that's what it is. That's what, that's what marriage is. When you, when you are drawn into covenant like that, we, we are made one where it's like two become one. Right. And, and so in our marriage counseling, it should look more like, you know, you are about to lose yourself and, and learn what it means to cultivate this newness that is taking place within the best of both of you. And that's what's happening when the spirit and the bride are 
echoing what it is that the Father and the Son have already sent out. It, it's this, this joining together where we're, we are becoming the pure and spotless bride that he so deserves, that he is so worthy of. And, and this, this requires us to keep our eyes so fixed on the Lamb of God. We have to keep our eyes fixed. You guys, we're so easily moved by everything around us. We have to teach ourselves to keep our eyes fixed on the Lamb of God, to move with Him, to be taught and instructed by the Spirit to move with Him. We cannot afford to get caught up in frivolous arguments about the works of the Spirit. We only have time to learn from the instruction of the Spirit that is bringing us into the heart of the Father so that we can appropriately praise him on the earth today because we need his governance. Like never before, we need his governance on the earth. We know that he's enthroned on the praises of his people. And instead of griping about everything and being moved by everything all around us, we fix our eyes on the lamb and we say, come. We say, come. We behold him and we praise him rightly. We offer him the worth that he deserves. And he enthrones himself on those, those praises so that the government of the kingdom of God can be stretched far and wide across the earth. And I've been reading, I told you about this the other day, I've been reading a, a, a Kansas history book. And I, the deeper I get into it, the more appalled I am by what we've done with the idea of government. We, we've made a mess. We've actually made a mockery of what government is. And all of this, all even that our judicial system comes straight out of the chambers of the Father. I mean, everything that we practice on the earth was first modeled in the heavens. We've, we've, we've done somewhat of a poor job at modeling it on the earth, but, but we still, we pulled from the heavens to get this idea of government, but we left out the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And, and in Kansas history, we see, we see different nations fighting for rights over Kansas, and it, it, you know there was three different um, three different countries that had ownership of Kansas before it became part of the United States, and it actually had to be purchased by the United States. But there was a fight going on about who was going to govern this land, and and it's just it's so shocking to my system only because of the revelation I have of the government of the kingdom of God, that as men, we have gone after things like territory in the way that we have in, in a guise of freedom. And it's not. And we've taught allegiance to a flag before we have a solid allegiance to the lamb. And that's appalling. And we we need to render ourselves guilty. Yep. <laughs> you know, like I did it. We need to follow suit. If Jesus can plead guilty on behalf of all humanity for something he never participated in, why on earth do we think that we are free from that? 
We need to enter a guilty plea that we did this. We made a mockery of your government. And we want to do better. God, we want to represent your kingdom better. How we do that, I'm not exactly sure outside of praising. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. Um, I just think it's it's a continual reminder, though, that we have to be doing these things. When, when we see these things, we have to be reminded of um, going back and and where is true allegiance. And in what you're reading out of Revelation here, the spirit and the bride say, come. Well, as, as the bride of Christ, we can't even uh, uh, yell, come to, to Jesus without the spirit. We're just not capable of doing it. And, and your talk about uh, we have to be trained by the spirit to do these things. We, we can't we can't even can't do any of this without that connection there. Mm-hmm. So if we aren't continually maintaining connection, then none of this is going to be uh, possible in our own strength. Mm-hmm. We're just going to going to continue to spin our wheels and, and go off the rails like what you're talking about with uh, creating government and judicial systems and trying to to govern and take land in a way that has our allegiance somewhere else and not on Christ because we don't maintain connection with the spirit. And, and uh, we are going to end up in, in petty debates and argument over silly things that have no relevance to the sacrifice that Jesus made uh, his, his resurrection that, uh, is now our resurrection. Yeah. N- nothing else is significant if if it is is outside of that. The, the rest of it just becomes debates and conversations. And if we allow those things to divide us, then we're, we're, we're not connected to the spirit anymore. Yeah. We should just be allowing those things to sharpen us and and to to cause us to to question things, but not question in a way where we're we're distancing ourselves from right. people and definitely not distancing ourselves from from holy spirit which often happens when questions come up and you start wondering oh what, what do i think about this what what why does this why is this here what, what what's that say about god well that that those questions should be uh, shouldn't cause distance they should cause closeness they should cause you to lean in and, and press into oneness to say i need to talk to you about this and, and talk with holy spirit Talk with those people who, who you are, are sharing community with or, or oneness. Yeah. And this is this is all part of that because we are not going to be able to, to govern well. We aren't even going to be able to think well without this connection yeah. and, and staying close to, to Holy Spirit. We can't uh, throw out the gifts of the Spirit and, and lose connection with uh, the unseen realm uh, and and we can't go the opposite direction where uh, uh, we are fully immersed in that, but we're not thinking well anymore. Right. And so there, there is, um, I mean, for lack of a better term, attention there that's, that's held, but it, it's, it's really just, it's not attention. It's just life. It is just the life in Christ that, that we have uh, uh, access to. We have access to the connection with the spirit and we have access to the mind of Christ. And these two things aren't separate from one another. And so why we want to separate them and then argue over uh, um, things that don't lead us to Christ, that don't uh, uh, help us embrace what he did on the cross and to embrace his resurrection. 
I don't know. Our, our justification comes in the resurrection, mm-hmm. is what Paul says in, in Romans. And so, these those are the things that matter. Yeah, and I think that it's demonic. Honestly, it, the the things that divide us are demonic. They are. We we have so let the the demonic come in to our church services to divide us, to to get us to start asking questions that honestly they're not fruitful questions to, to get us to to question you know whether or not the the things of the spirit are for today or not is irrelevant because we have scripture that tells us that these things will pass away when when we when we are experiencing perfect love and I don't know about you, but I'm not experiencing perfect love at this point. And, and we're not talking about the perfect love of the Father. We're talking about perfect love within the union of the bride. We need the gifts of the Spirit until we reach perfect love. And in fact, I'd like to push the envelope a little bit. We have a sevenfold spirit assigned to instructing us, comforting us, leading us. And I'm afraid we've tapped into very little of that. I I almost feel like maybe we have several of these doors open, but we've only like dipped our toes in. And there's so much more for us to, to operate in. And that's thrilling to me because what else can we do? And um, like, don't you want to know, like, what else are you capable of in, in the spirit? What, what else can, can happen because you're a willing vessel. And I I just, I think that, um, I think God would like to disrupt our prayer meetings, uh, you know, that, that they would get a little more wild than they are right now. I, I actually had an encounter a week or so ago, and it, it was intense, you guys. And, um, and, and there was some wild manifestations going on. And um, I thought, my goodness, like if people saw me right now, <laughs> I could be stoned. <laughs> Do we still stone people? <laughs> Not in this country. Um, but you know, I think that that we're still arguing about about things that that have existed for a long time, and Holy Spirit is wanting to expand our our, our operation, yeah. and um, and we're still stuck in an argument, age old argument of whether or not we should speak in tongues. Honestly, it's irrelevant. If you are offended by me speaking in tongues, plug your ears. You know, like it's like or just press into Jesus. Grow and up. You won't hear it. <laughs> we just we need to grow up. That's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. it it's an immature. <laughs> John, just so you know, you need to have the visual. He's got his fingers in his ears and he's going la 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 la. <laughs> um, yeah, do that. Yeah, that's actually a more pleasant sound than you trying to be something you're not and tell me why I shouldn't. And, um, and honestly, it's not hurting you. It's not hurting you to hear people speaking in tongues. In fact, it's probably carving something out for you. And this is just one hot topic. There are, you know, I'm sure there's lots of people that have a problem with prophecy that that gift passed away with the, the first, disciples or whatever and um also not true god is still speaking 
that that doesn't fall under, you know, what Revelation 22 says at the very end where, you know, you're not to add to or take away from. We have to realize that there's scripture within Revelation also that says that the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. When we stop prophesying, we stop promoting the, 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 the testimony of Jesus Christ. It is only by the power of the spirit that we can testify of Jesus Christ through the power of prophecy. You want to take that away? Well, then you lose the testimony of Jesus Christ. I think we look at, at prophecy in some mystical way as well and, and forget the fact that uh, when, when people get up and they start sharing on Sunday morning, on here right now, that's, that is prophecy as well. Sure. Because you are testifying of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, and I think we, we, we miss that. <clears throat> Excuse me. We miss that as well. Yeah. And I, I love what you're talking about with the, the sevenfold spirit of God that we have access to. And we have all these doors open. And I think what we're doing is we're opening these doors and then doing this. Yes. Right here. Like, um, I don't want to be accountable. Yeah. I don't want to look. Well, hey, don't <laughs> peek through your fingers. Drop your hand down. Open your eyes and see what's available to us. Because when you start seeing these things, you're going to catch the things that you're talking about. The, the demonic stuff that comes in and tries to divide us, you're going to be able to pull back and see what's actually going on is the fact that uh, the church is now taking over uh, uh, what Israel was supposed to be doing, not replacing Israel as God's chosen. However, what we are to Israel originally was supposed to be that testimony to the other yeah. nations of the goodness of God and, and draw them back. And they, they couldn't do it. They couldn't maintain that covenant. Well, now the church the bride of Christ. That's what we're doing. And so in our infighting, this is, this is the picture that we give to the nations and, and to those who have yet to, to come to belief in Christ. This is, this is what the kingdom's like. It's divisive. Yeah. It, it's, it's a bunch of, of infighting and uh, it, it's still uh, slapping the label of, of patriarchy on things and, and wanting to, to rule and govern through this iron fist uh, in, in different ways. And that's the, that's the image that we are portraying. Yeah. That is not who we are as imagers of God because that is not in his nature. That is not a part of his image that right. we need to be sharing. Right. And so uh, this, this is something that we have to, to really take hold of and, and pull your hand away from your eyes and start looking at what's available and start looking at the uh, objective truth, like what is truth? Truth is a man, Jesus yes. Christ. And, and that right there, again, everything has to be drawn back to, to Christ because if we start getting in arguments, where is where is this leading us to? Is this leading us to, to, to Christ and, and somehow an edification of what he did on our behalf? Or is it just pettiness that's going nowhere? Yeah. Yeah. If it's not drawing people to gaze upon the lamb, and we've talked about this before, that that actually Jesus is the desire of the nations. It's it's it, that's just the truth that Jesus is the, the desire of the nations. But it's it's our job to provoke. It's our job to put him on display through our works. 
that they would know what to desire. And I can't help but wonder, you know, there's wars and rumors of wars. You guys, is it a manifestation of what's going on in the church? I think that we would we would be errant not to look at that. That, you know, the, the world is actually looking to the church because of how God has set it up. We're the ones that have been commissioned to put him on display. And so if the world is manifesting in war, is it because of the fighting that's going on in the church? I mean, what are you going to do? Speaking in tongues is such a low-level gift. I mean, if we're going to rank them. Maybe we shouldn't do that. But you see what I'm saying? I mean, like, it's kind of known as an entry-level kind of gift. And you're expected, honestly, to speak in tongues from the moment that you're filled with the Spirit. And um, what are you going to do when people start flying around? You know? What are you going to do when people start manifesting wildly? In, in a way that could potentially be offensive to you. You know, I, I, I we years and years ago um, had the opportunity to, to go to a, an ongoing conference that was happening an hour from here. And we were introduced to all kinds of new manifestations. At this point, those aren't new, but they were new to us at the time. And, um, and it, like gold dust, all over your hands. I'm checking to see do oil I have, do I have any oil out. dripping from people's fingers and hands coming out of their scalp. Yes, crazy thing. Gold teeth. Mm-hmm. Like that was one that I'm like, but why? You know, <laughs> God doesn't weight really loss. Supernatural weight mm-hmm. loss. Okay, we've seen that. Your wife had that. She went wearing clothes, and then we left with the clothes not fitting her. So just wild things. Uh, Metal plates completely dissolved out of people's hands or their legs. Just crazy manifestations like that 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 we got to encounter. And that's been many years that we are due. Multiplication of food. Uh, Oh, yeah. That's my favorite one. I mean, that was one that that it was such a gift. It was such a gift that um, we had very little food, but like 14, 15 people to feed. And, um, and everybody, was it? Yeah. I was not. Because I think between us, we were like 14 and 15. (laughs) Oh, that's probably true. So it was four, like four-ish families and and we did things big. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Nobody had just one or two kids. And, and we fed, you're right. I think it was probably closer to 30. Yeah. And um, we probably had enough, we had enough food to feed our family. Right. And, and so that food stretched to feed everyone that was there. And, um, we filled and up, we filled the up containers, a container. The, yeah. The containers that it came in, we filled, we almost filled it back up to full. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe that's coming again. Mark my words, people. Yes. I, I really do. I really think that that I had this encounter the other night where, um, God had taken me and stood me in front of the the pantry and all of a sudden the pantry expanded. Mm-hmm. It was wild. Just absolutely wild. And, and and God's been talking to me about provision and um and just like I can just feel his heart is to take care of people and for there to just be plenty. And so I feel like, you know, this pantry is just never going to run out of food. Mm. And uh, I'm just waiting for him to say the same thing about the freezer filled with meat. Cause that's going to be so fun. 
there's just going to yes. be an abundant supply of food. And um, but what can you do? What can you do to partner with that? How how are you utilizing your faith to partner with what it is that God is showing you? So in this context, what I have to do is start inviting people over to eat. Right. And so normally on Wednesday nights, we do like a potluck kind of thing. And, and God was like, feed the people. Okay. Feed the people. And so I just sent out a little text message and this is not a big deal, but I'm like, no need to bring any food. We've got this. And so that's where we start. That's what faith looks like is I'm going to partner with what it is that you've shown me, God, by inviting a group of people over and just say, we got this, you know, don't worry about bringing anything, come and eat your fill. So, you know, we could have ham and beans for the next <laughs> six months, <laughs> but that's not exactly the kind of food I want multiplied, Lord Jesus, but I'll tell you what you give me. <laughs> uh, the, the topic of provision is, is one that is been heavy on my mind the last few days mm. because uh you, you drive down uh, the, the highway here and my son and i do that every day and there is a big sign outside one of the gas stations that tells you what the powerball jackpot's up oh, to yeah and right now it's up to 1.7 billion with a b dollars and and it is very tempting to want to do that and, and I, I think about man all the stuff i could do with that in, in terms of like uh, giving to different ministries and whatever, and and how much fun that would be, but at the same time, I'm talking to God about that too. Like, if that were to happen, and I did have that much money, what would my reliance on you be? Yeah. The 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 reliance on the Spirit when we saw these things happening, there was there was there had to be a, re- a reliance there. We have a lot of money, and, and and we wanted to feed everybody there, and and so there was a reliance on the Spirit to. When we prayed and blessed that thing, there was an ex- expectation and a reliance on him to, to provide for us. And, and he did. And so in, in thinking about provision, where is our reliance placed in? Where is our, our, our trust at? Our faith? Is it, is it in our bank accounts? Is it in the, the, the physical pantries that we go out and, and fill under, under our own uh, power from, from our jobs that we we have income from right. and we go to the store and buy this stuff or are we just seeing like wow god what are you what are you putting in the pantry today yeah it, it may not be a multiplication <laughs> of what's already in there it may be something completely new but we need to be relying on him to provide for us yeah. and and so i love the topic of provision the last few days it's been heavy on my mind and heavy on my conversations with holy spirit is is in the abundance of provision, will I respond still in a way that is reliant on him? Mm-hmm. And and I I want to say yes, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know until you're put in that situation. But uh, right now, the reliance is on him to provide. And, and, and that's the way it should be. He wants to provide for us. He wants to be our provider. Yes. And, it's one of his and, names. Right. And if we are are to find real rest in him from our, our burdens, our worries, and, and those things that yeah. weigh us down, then then we are going to rely on him. Don't need to buy a ticket. Got yeah. one of ta- Yeah, right. Absolutely. Agreed. Agreed. I had a hanky and wave in my Yes. <laughs> and, and so provision, you know, in, in the abundance of provision, are, are you still reliant on God? 
Mm-hmm. Are you still going to be opening the pantry and saying, what today? Mm-hmm. What's the manna look like today? Right. Right. And the thing is, is that we, we, we know that there have been multiple prophecies released about Goshen. You guys, this starts with a pantry. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to just go out and purchase a plot of land that's going to have vegetation growing up in it. It's got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. What, where is, where is your faith at right yeah. now? What, what can your faith afford? Can we say it like that? Because our faith has to be exercised. It has to have its mind blown to increase. And, and the only way that's going to happen is by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus and not be tossed by all those yeah. waves of doubt when struggle comes because struggle, struggle is coming mm-hmm. and it's going to continue to increase, but we can still put Jehovah Jireh on display because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. No yeah. matter what wars are going on all mm-hmm. around us, no matter what darkness is transpiring all around us, he's the same. It just matters where your eyes are fixed. You have to keep your eyes on Jesus. Yeah. And, and, and with the prophecies of Goshen, yeah, that's where it starts. But remember, it ends up in a promise land. It's even more abundant. Yeah. Flowing with milk and honey. Yeah. Big fat giant grapes. And big fat giant grapes. <laughs> what? I, I want some of that. You just raised my expectation. I don't want a simple vineyard. And, you know, Kansas was known for being ripe for vineyards. I, it, like grapes grew so easily here. It was actually wine country prior to the Dust Bowl of the 1950s. Wow. Yeah, let's call it back up. And ha- how do you know that there's not gold in your land? There's all kinds of possibilities. You just need to, like, imagine with Jesus. Were were they watermelon size, Anne Marie? At least. (laughs) Did you pray over it first? (laughs) Did you invite the whole neighborhood over for a bite of your grape? Hey, I want to know though. When you go check your fridge, I want to know what's different in there. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Oh my gosh! Wow. We should wrap up. Yeah. Father, you are mind blowing. When we sit and marvel at all that you have accomplished and most of it on our behalf, we have no choice but to go low. We thank you for humbling our hearts at every turn and making much of who you are. You are you are so good that you would you would even go so low as to come and teach us how to make much of who you are. We can't even cry out. We can't even cry out to you without the help of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for this gift, for this promise. And Holy Spirit, right now, we just want to make a commitment to you. That you can have your way in us. Whatever it is you want to do in and through us. We trust that you will be a good instructor. And that you won't let us fall. Take us out into the deep. And teach us to become a people of great faith. 
not minimal faith. We want to be known as people of great faith. Yes. May love be in yours. Amen. Yeah. All right, guys. Until next time. We'll talk later. <laughs>